Uh, well, hey, my name is Pastor Zach. I have the honor and the privilege of uh, being the pastor here at Multiply Lake Norman. My wife, Jenna, and I, along with 36 other people, uh, helped plant this church about five and a half years ago. And, and man, the, the purpose and the reason that we planted this church is so that individuals would find life, freedom, family, and purpose. You'll hear that in some form or fashion every single week, but we believe that individuals have to find life in Jesus. That you can go through life, but until you have a relationship with Jesus, you'll never understand what you were truly created for. And then we have to have freedom. We have to take care of yesterday before we look to tomorrow. We have to have family, that we do this thing together. It's not about our individual journeys by ourselves, but how we collectively go through life together and then ultimately finding our purpose. We all have a unique divine design that God has placed inside of us. And man, we want everybody to experience those four categories kind of in their life. A couple announcements that I have today. Man, if you have your calendars, make sure you get them out. First thing that I need to mention is Mother's Day is coming up May the 14th. All right, y'all make some noise for the mamas in the room. All the mamas said amen. So listen, a couple of different things that we're doing for mamas that day. Man, we want to celebrate you. We want to honor you. We're going to have a bouquet of flowers. You get to build your own bouquet if you're a mom in the room or any, actually any lady in the room gets to build their own bouquet. We're also, we just like, this just happened. This just in uh, about eight minutes ago. We were standing out there. We're like, hey, why don't we do this? Uh, Manny, we got to prepare this. We're doing Manny's for Mother's Day. Uh, not you, but manicures. Manny's for Mother's Day. So we're going to have manicures. We have an individual at the church who has a manicure business. So she was like, hey, let's do Manny's for Mother's Day. I was like, all right, let's do it. So if you don't have time to get your nails done, just come to church and get your nails did. All right? That's what we're going to do. So, man, make sure you put that on your calendar. Another thing that we have coming up, man, we have our child dedications. Um, you heard me last week talk about this idea of, of being a unified front. And, and this is what that means. We're going to rally behind every family that calls Multiply Church home. And we're going to say not on our watch. It's not just this idea of me raising my family or re me raising my girls. Yes, I take responsibility for that, but I want to do it as the collective whole because my girls are going to interact with, with your kids and with your families. And, and when we do family days, we're saying, hey, not on our watch. We're a unified front. This past week, I was able to, to talk to Autumn a little bit about Addie and and uh, she's asking questions. John, this is so cool, man. She's asking questions about Jesus and she's asking questions about baptism and and she's like, I'm ready, I'm ready to get baptized. And, and it's like, well, do you, Addie, do you know why you're getting baptized? Yeah, because I want to tell people that I love Jesus. She's four years old. That means something's happening over in kids' church. More than that, that means something's happening in that household. And, and we're going to take responsibility and talk about Jesus both in our church home and in our individual homes. And, and I know uh, Zach and Anna were in, in first service. I don't think they're, they're in here for second service. Are they in here? No? Good. Then I can talk about them even more. So, so last, uh, this past week, and I've just noticed my, my daughter, Piper, she's been playing a lot with, uh, with the, uh, the Brocks and, and their kids. And, and even at the gym, she's, she's really playing with, with Brax a lot. And that's a problem. Um, so yesterday, we were at the gym. You got that picture up there? for the Yesterday, they were, they were sword fighting with PVC pipes. And... Uh, and Brax started getting a little rough with Piper. Now, Piper was holding her own, all right? But then Brax kind of hit his PVC, P, PVC pipe hard against Piper's, and, and she dropped it and shook her hand. She said, that one hurt. So like any good dad, what did I do? I picked up the PVC pipe, 
And I just hit him back as hard as he was hitting her. Not him, but his PVC pipe. About two hits later, he drops the PVC, P- PVC pipe and runs the other way. So I'm just putting everybody on notice. I don't care how old your kid is. <laughs> all right? I don't care who the dad is. Mess with my daughter, I'm coming at you. All right? No, but all in good fun. I told uh, Zach Brock and, and Anna this morning during first service, I said, man, I appreciate the way that your kids accept my daughter, even though she's a couple years younger than your kids, and they, I mean, they let her play and run around and don't just be like, oh, you're the little kid. you got to go off to the side. And, and I'm starting to see my daughter do that with younger kids, especially with her sister. And so that's why we do child dedications, because it's not just about one family and the other family. It's about us moving together collectively, being a unified front. Again, saying not on my watch. That's why we take the time to talk about it. Uh, from a Sunday morning perspective, and and that's why we're going to be dedicating kids and and families on Mother's Day. So make sure that you come to that. All right, so we're in week two of our home series. Again, last week I talked about this idea of being a unified front. We know that we're stronger together. We know that we're better together, and we know that because uh, a unified home is stronger together and better together, then we have to be unified both in our church home and in our personal homes. We also established this last week that the only starting point that we're going to have as a church is the Bible. There there is no other starting point. It's not going to be my opinion. It's not going to be what I think. It's not going to be what Zach says. It's going to be what the Bible and the Bible alone says. So now that we're all caught up, all on the same page, today we're going to talk about being a unified front and, and this idea of being a biblical man. Well, what does the Bible say about being a man? Now listen, if you're a lady in the room, this does not mean you get to tune me out, all right? There are principles that you can apply to your life as well. If you're married in the room, this isn't something you get to take a list of and beat your husband up with later, all right? You're going to encourage him in these things, not beat him up with these things. All my single ladies in the room, I almost started doing like a little dance, but I I decided not to. Um, But all my single ladies in the room, this is a list that you should be or this is a list that you should be writing down as well. These are qualities that you should find in a husband. If you're in middle school, high school, maybe you're in college in the room, all of these qualities are probably going to go, go against cultural norms. All of these qualities aren't going to make sense for society, but it's what the Bible calls us to. Now, if you're a female in the room and you're single, you're under the age of 25, you can write these down, but you can't date until your dad says you can date. And every dad in the room said, Amen. All right, caveat, dad, pick up your feet. Your daughter better see these qualities in you before she finds them in another man. All right, it got real quiet. Y'all don't want to shout me down on that one, huh? All right, well, here we go. So this past week, I sent out several group text messages. I sent some social media posts out, and I simply asked the question, what is a man? I messaged uh, Jenna's Bible study group and Some of the ladies in there had a group text with that. I messaged my Bible study group, and again, I put it on social media. Altogether, I had roughly 50 responses. This is what concerns me the most about anything that I got back. More women responded what it means to be a man than men responded what it means to be a man. All the guys kind of dropped their heads a little bit. All the girls are laughing and joking and smiling like, yeah, I could have said that. Somebody in first service said, it's because more women are on social media. I said, well, I texted more guys and more women still responded. I think that's the problem in our culture and in our society. That even if a man knows what it means to be a biblical man, they're not stepping up to the plate. 
they're not stepping into the game. They're staying on the sidelines. There's this glaring issue with our society that, that men don't know what it means to be a man. Now, in some of the responses that I got back, the, these were some of the most popular. The first one is that men are protectors. They're protectors. They provide a safe place. That they're providers and they are leaders. Those were kind of the top four qualities of everyone that responded back. Now, these were some of the ladies' responses. They said this, men have strength under control. Men are tough and steady and logical, but not afraid to show his tender and emotional side. He's the glue that holds the family together emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Now, one person, probably the smartest person of them all, blonde, blonde hair, brown eyes, her name's Jenna. She responded and said this. It's my wife, by the way, for those of you who are new. So the man is someone who is a leader, God-fearing, honest, loyal, strong, and gentle, able to express feelings and emotions. By the way, 11 people responded and in some form or fashion said that anatomy matters when it comes to being a man. Okay, we got to be, y'all got to talk back and forth with me here, all right? All right, a, a lot, uh, y'all were, were first service, it was great. And they woke up early. They were responding back and forth. Second service, you're dead, all right? Come alive. I know we just had the altar moment. I know we had a, you know, boo-hoo moment. Tears were flowing, but I need, not, it's not a monologue. What is it, Stacy? It's a dialogue. We got to talk back and forth. So I need you guys to respond. And fellows are like, no, you're already stepping on my toes. I don't want to say anything to you. I'm mad at you right now. First Corinthians chapter 16, starting in verse 13, reads like this. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. And let all that you do be done in love. If you're following along in your Bible, that's in the ESV version. So there are other versions that talk about being courageous as well. And I'll get to that in a second. But there's five major comments that we can pull out of this scripture. Again, I'm not very creative when it comes to giving you points to remember or points to write down. I'm just going to give you what the Bible says, and that's what we're going to put on the screen. This isn't Zach's opinion, all right? This is what the Bible says. This isn't what culture and society says. This is what the Bible says. And the first thing that the Bible calls us to do as men is to be watchful. Matthew chapter 15, verse 14 reads like this. If the blind guide the blind, then both will fall into a pit. The Bible, again, says to be watchful. So the first question that we have to ask ourselves is, well, what are we actually watching? What do we see in culture and in society? I'll ask you these questions. Do you see what's truly going on around us? Do you see what's going on in our world today, or are you just ignoring it? And you have this tendency to think, well, if I ignore it, it won't affect my family. If I ignore it, it'll eventually go away. Do you know what kids are being taught in schools now, or are you just ignoring it? Oh, that's not in my kid's school. There's no way that book, that's no, there's no way that book's on their shelf. Do, do you actually know or are you just guessing and ignoring it? Fellas in the room, husbands in the room, do you know how your wife needs to be loved or are you just ignoring it? Do you know how your wife needs to be communicated to or are you communicating to her in a way that you want to be communicated to? Dad's in the room. Do you know what your kids are dealing with on a day-in and day-out basis? Do you sit down and have conversations with them, or do you just ignore them? I said this during first service. I'll say it again. I was convicted about two or three weeks ago, and I was talking to my daughter, and to be honest, I was a little frustrated, and I have to remember and realize that I have a five-year-old little girl, that my words can absolutely lift her spirits or break her heart. And I was having this conversation with Piper, and 
And Piper, she just kind of stops mid-sentence and she says, Daddy, you're mad at me. I said, no, baby, I'm not mad at me. I'm not mad at you. She said, well, well, your eyes are telling me that you're mad at me. She's five. You tell me kids can't pick up on stuff. My five-year-old little girl, Daddy, your eyes are telling me you're mad at me. That's, hard to, that's a hard sentence to even say without breaking down on this stage and say, somebody come get up here and figure it out like y'all preach the rest of the service. But, but what does it mean to truly be a man? If you're a single man in the room, do you know what you're looking for in a spouse? Culture and society will tell you, hey, download every app that you can and hook up with whoever you want to. Now hear me, I'm not against dating apps. I'm against one-night stands. Stop hooking up with people. You're wondering why you're not finding a spouse. You're wondering why you're not finding someone to spend forever with. It's because you're hooking up with whoever you want to, whenever you want to. What does it mean to truly be a man if we're being watchful? Then you know what we're being told. We're being told that toxic masculinity is now a thing. We're being told that men can have ovaries. We're being told that men can have periods. We're being told that a man can win woman of the year. We're being told that a man can win female athlete of the year. We're being told that men are breaking women's records because of how they identify. What does it truly mean to be watchful? It means to know what's going on around us. And I can't preach the fullness of the Bible and ignore what's going on around us. I don't say this to turn heads or to raise eyebrows. I don't say this to to get an applause. I I say this because it's what the Word of God says. And if we're not going to talk about it in the church, then how can we expect to stand up to culture when we get outside the four walls of the church? Something that we have to talk about. Be watchful. Because I know we're watchful when it comes to our 401k. You might not want to watch it. You're watching it do this. Really, it's this and then this and then anybody else. Don't look at your retirement plan right now. Putting money in, it's going down somehow. I don't understand it. We're watchful when it comes to our businesses. You can tell me the difference in Q1 and Q2. You can tell me the sales that Q1 made. You can tell me where everything went well in Q1 and where everything dropped off in Q1. We're watchful when it comes to our sports teams. I can tell you everything about the Braves right now. I can tell you how great they're going to be. I can tell you how they're going to win the World Series this year. I can also tell you how bad the Panthers are going to be this year already. We still don't have a quarterback. But we're watchful when it comes to everything in our life. Are we being watchful when it comes to culture and society? Because Matthew chapter 15, verse 14 says, If the blind guide the blind, then both will fall into a pit. We can wonder all we want. Why is culture going to, in a handbasket, right? Why, why, why are we failing here and failing there? Well, let me ask us this. Are we being watchful or are we the blind leading the blind? So once we become watchful, the Bible then tells us that we have to stand firm. I'll ask this question. How do we holistically stand firm? How do we physically stand firm? How do we mentally stand firm? How do we spiritually stand firm? Again, I mentioned this last week. The enemy's out in the open. The enemy isn't bashful. We know exactly what we're fighting against. We, we know exactly what the world and what culture and what society is throwing against us when it comes to, to being a man. So what are we going to do about it? Physically, we have to say, not on my watch. Let me, let me kind of give you this analogy. It would be like saying we have an offensive line, coach. And it's like, hey, offensive line, I, I need y'all to not block as good as you've been blocking. Uh, don't, don't protect the quarterback. Don't protect the running back. It, 
Sometimes the Panthers are acting like that right now. They've, I don't know that they haven't ever acted like that. I was going to say something about Cam Newton, but anyway, well, I digress. But we say like, hey, if you're an offensive lineman, your job is to protect. Your job is to stop the defense from getting to our offense. Your job is to protect the quarterback, to protect the running back, to stick with the blocking pattern, the blocking scheme, right? What if we said, hey, offensive line, you're actually getting too strong. Like you need to, you need to stay out of the weight room for a little bit. I don't want you to hit the weight room all season. You're too strong. You're overpowering the enemy. You're overpowering the defense too much. I think it would look a little something like this. What happened to that offensive line? Let's watch it one more time for fun. What's going on? Let chop block. Awful. And quarterback gets demolished. Like we laugh, but that's the way men are acting in our society. Now, I can't blame those football players. It wasn't SEC football, all right? I think that was Kansas. So, I don't know. It wasn't real football. But that's the way men are acting in our society. Oh, I'm just going to fall at the knees of the enemy, and I'll, do, I'll just try to get in their way. And, and what happens is we're not protecting anything behind us. Physically, I want to do everything on the list that was provided, those top four things to be a protector. To have a place of safety, a provider, and a leader. But I also want to embody some of those other things. I want to have strength under control. As a man, I want to be tough and steady and logical. I don't want to be afraid to show my tender side or my emotional side. As a man, I truly want to be the glue that holds my family together emotionally, physically, and spiritually. But in order to do those things, I have to stand firm physically. And then I have to stand firm mentally. How are you standing firm in your mind? How are you standing firm in your mind? This is what I know. Whatever you consume will ultimately consume you. This needs to be talked about more and more inside the church and, and have appropriate vulnerability. But I don't know if you know this statistic. Statistically, 91.5% of men have watched porn at some point in their life, while only 11% of men read the Bible daily. What you consume will absolutely consume you. Zach, I don't know if church is the place to be talking about that stuff. Well, why not? We're going to act like it doesn't exist? We're going to act like it doesn't go on in households? We're going to act like we don't struggle with that as men? I'm not saying everybody's just pulling up their phone all the time, but I'm saying, like, we're men. I get it. But we have to have some accountability. What we consume will consume us. I pray to God that more than 11% of our church is reading the Bible on a day-to-day -day basis when it comes to being a man. Don't just pay it lip service. Zach, you're getting a little hard this morning. Well, we're men. All right, pick up your feet. It's going to be okay. I'll give you a pat on the back at the end. We'll rough us up a little bit today because we've been too passive. We're just kind of consuming whatever content we want to consume and acting like it's not going to affect us. We're acting like it's not going to affect our kids. I cannot, like... I realize and recognize more and more whatever I consume will have, an, have a just direct impact on my family, i.e. my two little girls. You, you want to change the way you view life as a dad? Then you start praying for your little girls and their spouse. Because I don't want my daughter's spouses watching porn. I don't want my daughter's spouses having an anger problem. I don't want my daughter's spouses doing whatever they want, whenever they want. I want them to be connected to the heart of God. So again, what I said earlier, she can't see those qualities in another man before she sees them in me. Well, Zach, I don't have any kids. 
Great. Guess what? Your church family is still watching. We're, again, we're talking about our physical households and our spiritual households. We have to stand firm physically, mentally, and spiritually. What do real men do? Real men read scripture. Real men have a devotional life. Real men pray daily. Real men draw close to the heart of God. Real men have accountability partners. I, I wasn't going to do this, but Josh, I'll do it. I'll do it anyway. About two months ago, we had this group text going. We had some accountability. We've sucked at it the last two months. Sorry I said that. We've been really bad at it the last two months. I apologize. I'm going to get better. That's when you say, I will too. I will too. Here you go. Oh, you got a little baby. Oh, yeah, you got your son. He's sleeping. Sorry. But man, many of us in the room, we went on those men's retreats. Y'all remember men's retreats? We're going to be accountable. And some of us have been. But what if we took it up another notch? What if we said, not on my watch? Hmm, I don't know. Oh, what would happen? I put a, together a, a book list as a starting point to take a picture of, uh, of where men can kind of succeed or where men can grow. So go ahead and throw that picture on the screen. Take a, or take a picture of this on your phone if you want to. But I'll read, I'll read the list to you. A couple of different books that I pulled off my bookshelf. One is called The Intentional Father. Another one's called The Radical Disciple by John Stott. If you've never read that book, great starting point, The Radical Disciple. Maybe you're a new dad in the room. Book's called The New Dad's Playbook. Uh, Jenna actually got me that when, when Piper was born. It was a good read. Another one that I believe that every, every dad in the room that has a daughter needs to read this book. It's called Strong Fathers and Strong Daughters by Meg Meeker. I've mentioned that one several times. I'll keep mentioning that one. For marriages, The Four Habits of a Joy-Filled Marriage. One called Brave Parents, Courageous Kids. How do you just let your kids be kids? Another one that I think is really good for everyone, every man in the room, it's called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. It's a book that I've read the last three years uh, in a row. There's also one other book that I want to mention. It's a bestseller. It's called The Bible. I don't know if you have a copy of it, but you should probably read that one as well. We try to consume, po- I know guys, we consume podcasts, we consume like these leadership talks, we consume everything that we can, and we forget to read the Bible. Our starting point, again, let me go back to the beginning. Let me go back to last week. Our starting point is the Bible. The Bible doesn't fill in the voids of your life. The, Bi- the Bible is absolutely the center of your life. So don't go read a podcast and then you know, read a, a leadership book and then supplement your life with the Bible. Everything else is supplemental. The podcast are supplements. The leadership talks are supplements. Let, let me go a step further. Sermons are supplements. This should not be the sum total of your spiritual life. Listening to another pastor during the week should not be the sum total of your spiritual life. If you miss a Sunday because you're on vacation or you're traveling for work, I get it. Going back and listening to our messages aren't the sum total of your spiritual life. The sum total of your spiritual life at the center of it has to be the Bible, has to be your personal relationship with Jesus. That's what it means to be a man. That's what it means to stand firm physically, mentally, and spiritually. So what's the next thing that we look at? The next thing is to act like men. I'll put it this way, to grow up. To grow up. Some translations in, in that phrase says to be courageous, but in the original Greek, androzomai is only used as a verb, and it means to act like men. 
Now, many theologians would say that this Greek word of androsomai means to grow up and to stop acting like a child. And we see that in Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. When I was a child, I taught like a child. I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Men, it's time for us to grow up and put behind us childish things. What are childish things? I'm glad you asked. It's that me first mentality. It's that selfishness mentality. It's that hot-headed and hot-tempered mentality. Childish things is having a lack of discernment. Childish things is having a temper tantrum. Childish things is acting out of anger and out of wrath. It's popping off at the mouth, yelling at your spouse or someone else instead of having a conversation. Men, we're called to have strength, but we're called to have strength under control. Maybe you've heard this saying before. It's one that I love to quote. It's one that we've mentioned in our Bible study several times. I would rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. God has called us to have strength. He's called us to stand on the front line. He's called us to be bold, and sometimes we have to be loud. Listen, I know Jesus put together a a whip and drove out con artists out of the church, but Jesus also had a tender heart. We're called to be warriors in the garden, not gardeners in a war. By the way, your living room and your kitchen is not a war room. It is not a place that you should lift your voice. I'm guilty of it. It is not a place you should argue with your spouse. I'm guilty of it. I'm trying to get better. I know many of us in the room are. Men, I know you got stuff on your plate that no one else carries. I know work can get hard. I know life can get hard. I know kids can get hard. Don't take it out on your spouse. Don't take it out on your significant other. Don't take it out on your kids. Now, let me be, let me be the first to say I'm guilty of it. I'm not perfect. My wife and I argue. I've yelled at my kids. I'm not called to be perfect. I'm called to be better. Why do I mention this now? Because I need accountability. Guess what? Now that you've sat in here and you've heard this, I get to hold you accountable as well. It's the way this thing works. It's not a monologue. It's a dialogue. Your living room, (laughs) your bedrooms, your kitchens, not a war room. I told you this, uh, Jen and I, we go to a counseling session regularly, kind of a maintenance and a checkup. And uh, one thing that I'm getting better at, not perfect, but getting better at is going, hey, babe, I love you. I'm, I'm getting angry right now, and I'm going to say something I regret. I'm going to raise my voice. Can we just take a 35-second take a break, two-minute break? I'm not walking away from the conversation. I care. I value you. I value what you're saying. Just, can I just can walk outside? Let me breathe. Walk outside, a couple deep breaths. All right, I'm locked and loaded. I'm ready to go. That's what it means to be a man. Not taking out all of your anger and your frustration on the person that cares about you the most. Really quiet in here. Sorry. What did Jesus do? Again, he was strength under control. I already mentioned this, but he made the whip. He drove out the con artist. But what did he also do? He also stood beside the woman who was about to get stoned. He said, all right, if you don't have a sin, go ahead and throw it. He stood up for people who were marginalized. He stood up for people who were cast out, beaten down. 
He called the Pharisees snakes. But in the book of Revelation, how do we see Jesus? He's riding in on a white horse. And scripture says that his sword is dipped in blood and his robe is dipped in blood and, and all of heaven's armies are following him. What we see throughout scripture is that being a man is about being active on behalf of others and not passive. We're active when it comes to being watchful. We're active when it comes to standing firm. We're active when it comes to acting like men and, and growing up. The fourth thing that I want you to write down that the Bible tells us to do is to be strong. As men, we have to be holistically strong, physically, mentally, and spiritually. Now, within our cultural context, we've unilaterally labeled strength. And we've said things like, you have to go to the gym, you have to go to the six-pack, or you have to have a six-pack, you have to lift weights every day. Now, hear me. I think part of being a man is pushing our physical limits, but the strength that God calls us to isn't just that of physical ability. It's a portion of it. It's not the sum total. Now, don't get me wrong. I love working out. I love going to the gym. But I have to put just as much training in mentally and spiritually as I do physically. There's people in this room right now. You go to the gym every day. My question back to you would be, do you read your Bible every day? Do you train your mind every day? Now, some of you are feeling holier than thou right now, and you're like, well, yes, pastor, I do read the Bible every single day. When's the last time you took a walk around your block? When, when's the last time you didn't just consume and eat whatever you wanted to? It's both and. Some of y'all are like, well, I work out and I read the Bible. Yeah, but you still got a temper. You need some self-help books when it comes to having a temper. It's holistic. It's physically mentally and spiritually i put this clip up or i said this last week and the team put this clip up uh this past week and what i said in last week's sermon was i i used to talk a lot of trash to people when i was in college and i had some people respond you used to talk trash or you still talk trash well just depends on what we're doing pickleball still talk trash i beat autumn this week one-on-one -on -one. she beat me last week one-on-one -on -one. is she in here Oh, she's here. Hey, Autumn. I love talking trash when it comes to, to competition. And, and the reason why I said this last week, but if I can get inside my opponent's head, then I can cause a little confusion. I can cause a little chaos. And they'll focus on me opposed to focusing on the game at hand. And that's what the enemy has done. Com creates confusion, creates chaos. We're not focused on the game at hand. We're focused on the confusion and chaos. If you want some good laughs, just go back to that post because people that I went to college with really started responding. <laughs> There's a lot of responses on how I used to act. When I competed a little bit, the problem is we're becoming mentally weak because the enemy wants us to focus on everything else opposed to the task at hand. When we start focusing on the confusion, start focusing on the chaos, then you start doubting yourself and then you start doubting your worth and then you start doubting your call. And ultimately, again, you become mentally weak. We're called to be mentally strong. We're also called to be spiritually strong. Now, this one's the linchpin. This goes hand in hand with standing firm and being strong. We have to stand firm spiritually, but we're called to be strong spiritually. Well, how do we do it? It's one and the same. We stand firm and we become strong by reading scripture, having a devotional life, having a prayer life, and drawing close to the heart of God. Zach, is it that simple? Yes, it is. I'm telling you, if you want to see your life change, 
If you want to see your marriage change, if you want to see the relationship with your family change, if you want to see your business change, if you want to see anything and everything in your life change, then focus on Jesus. Focus on the positive. What you consume will ultimately consume you. Godly men admit their weaknesses, but Zach, doesn't that contradict our manhood? I can't show anybody how weak I am. I can't let anyone know where I struggle. I can't let anyone know my doubts. I can't let anyone know the, the dark stuff that goes on in my soul. I have to act like I'm strong. People need to think that I'm in control. I mean, let me be very clear with this statement. Jesus doesn't give us our strength. Jesus is our strength. And so what we have done in our culture and in our society is we've said, Jesus, I need you in this area of my life. And Jesus says, I'm trying to be in every area of your life. We think that we're good enough in certain areas and certain seasons in our life that we don't need God there. God's saying, listen, I've already taken care of everything. Just let me into every area of your life. I'll say the statement again. Whatever you consume, it consumes you. What are you consuming day in and day out? Regardless of what we face, he is our strength. No amount of lifting weights can fill that void. No amount of intellectual content can fill that void. No amount of faking it until you make it can fill the void. It's Christ and Christ alone. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says this, Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, some of us need that in our life, Case in point, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take away from me, but, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Men, some of us need to hear that in the room. You need to hear Jesus say, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul goes on to write, he says, Therefore I boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Real men, real men, boast in their weakness, showing that their true strength is found in Christ and Christ alone. But again, all that we do, how do these verses end? All that we do, we do it in love. What's Paul say about love just one chapter before? In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's been read at, Probably 95% of weddings in America, but I'll read it to you anyway. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. Love is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres. Many of you can finish this. Love never fails. What we see in Scripture is that Jesus was tough and tender. Paul said it this way. If I don't have love, then I'm nothing. Without love, we become King Kong, kind of going through the city, smashing everything in our path. Without love, we're that bull in the china shop. Right? Without love, we turn around, all the bridges are burned, and there's nothing but carnage behind us. Without love, we're going to go that direction, and whoever gets in my way, I'm going through. I know many men have that tendency. We have that mindset. But we have to have love. 
I jotted these notes down. Without love, Zach, without love, you raise your voice at your spouse. Without love, you raise your voice at your kids. Without love, you're easily frustrated. Without love, you let your emotions get the best of you. Without love, you make excuses. Without love, you blame other people for your actions and your decisions. We, as men, we have to stop saying, well, if you wouldn't have said this, and if you wouldn't have acted like that, and if you wouldn't have responded this way, nobody can make you do anything. You're a grown man. Don't act like you're a grown man in every other area of your life and then make excuses when you have a short fuse. Try to blame it on someone else. Zach, when someone cuts you off on 77, don't have a short fuse. Stop making excuses. Zach, when you've had a rough day at work and you've had to deal with hard situations, when you park your truck, you can scream as much as you want to inside of your truck. But as soon as that door opens and as soon as you walk into that house, you love your girls. You love your, your wife. Stop making excuses. I'm done preaching to myself. Without love, we don't protect. Without love, we become proud. Without love, we have doubt. And without love, ultimately, we give up. So men... Today we're closing at the altar. Because we talked about it last week. Again, I'll talk about it throughout this entire series. A unified front is a strong front. And we can't agree on any topic that we want to. But the thing that I want to agree on more than anything is that I need Jesus at the center of my life. That without Jesus, I'm absolutely nothing. So I don't care how old you are in the room. We might have some 85-year-olds in the room. I have some 8-year-old boys in the room. But today we're going to be a unified front. So every man in the room, I want you to begin to make your way forward. If you're committed to being a unified front and saying, not on my watch. This is what I know. You're going to have to get close. You're going to have to get tight. Y'all have to get a little closer than that. Come on in. If you're on this side, just move around. I don't want anybody feeling like they're at the back. What does it mean to be a unified front? If you remember last week, man, I had that. I had, we're playing tug of war up here. If you were here last week, maybe you saw it online. And I was getting like pulled across the auditorium until people rallied around me. This is what it looks like to rally around each other. We can talk about having accountability. We can talk about being a unified front. Or we can be about it. And we can come up here and maybe some of you got out of your chair because like, I'm not going to be the only dude that doesn't come up here. It's going to be a little awkward for a second. The problem is men are afraid to step into the awkward. Girls do it all, all, all day, every day. They're good with their emotions. Can we sit down and talk? You know, let's grab a glass of wine and some coffee. Like, and, they, and they do, right? They can talk about their emotions and their feelings. We're not good at it. Can we commit in this moment that we're going to break the awkwardness a little bit? It's okay. It's okay. I'm going to look at you in your eyes. Like, it's, it's okay. It's okay for this to feel a little weird, feel a little awkward. But let me go back to what the Bible says. The Bible says to be watchful, to stand firm, to act like men, to be strong. And that all that we do, we do it in love. One of the responses that I got this week 
was from Ryan James. He's, he was in first service, and I read this. I want to read it to every man in the room. And he said this. He said, being a man is a constant and consistent sacrifice to benefit others. What this looks like is being the spiritual leader of your household, being the superhero to your kids, holding your tongue in your punches and hard situations, providing for your family based on the situation and the circumstances you're given. Being a man is most of the time acting like you've had it all together, even when you don't, so that others around you can feel peace. To be a man is honestly trying to be more like the man. We already have the best example because Jesus was the perfect man. He sacrificed for others. He loved others unconditionally. He was trustworthy and honest. Jesus provided and he's still providing. And then at the end of that, he sent me this, uh, sent me this song. He said, I think this is what it means to be a man. And, and the song is titled, Keep the Wolves Away by Uncle Lucius. It's like a southern rock kind of country song. And some of the lyrics read like this. Where the working man does his best to provide safety and shelter for his kids and a wife, giving a little of his soul every day just to keep the wolves away. As a unified front, that's what we're called to do, to keep the wolves away. There are wolves in our society tearing down manhood. There are wolves in our society tearing down what it means to be a kid. There are wolves in our society tearing down what it means to follow Jesus. And as a unified front, we're called to keep the wolves away. There's another song that I've been listening to all week. It's called Heavy On Me by Whiskey Myers. Another country song. But these are the lyrics. Because ain't nobody got time to just sit around and worry about poor old me. I got a house to build. I got babies on the way. And I got mouths to feed. So go ahead put the heavy on me again I told you it's not just about our physical houses but our spiritual houses maybe you're in this room and you're like I don't, I don't have kids on the way no but we got another generation behind us that's coming up and we're, on, we're, we're either going to drive the wolves away or allow the wolves to take over and when I was singing this song I was driving down the road man I started tearing up and it wasn't like little tears it was like snot nosed crying tears it was ugly and I, I turned this thing into a worship song I was like, God, put, put the heavy on me. Put the heavy on me. There's a fallacy inside of our churches, and we say this statement. God will never give you more than you can handle. That's absolutely a lie. If God only gave you what you could handle, you never need to rely on him. He will always give you more than you can handle. Why? Because that forces you to rely on him. So when I say, God, put the heavy on me, it's not this heavy of like, this something that's crushing me and burying me. Coach, I said this to, to Zach and Brian. It's like when, you, when you're going for that PR and you're back squatting and you pick the weight up, yours is a little heavier than mine. And I watch your barbell and it's like bouncing when you're going backwards. And I hear you take that big deep breath and you stand up and when you hit that PR and you rack that back squat and it's like the whole rig and the whole building just shakes because it's so much weight. That weight was never going to crush you. That weight was pulling the potential out of you. So when we say, God, put the heavy on me, what we're saying is, God, mold me, challenge me, pull out my potential so that I can keep the wolves away. Who have you called me to be? Who have you created me to be? I'm not going to be passive. I'm not going to be on the sidelines any longer. 
we're going to be a unified front. So as we put these lyrics on the screen, man, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you to close your eyes. I'm going to challenge you to open up the palms of your hands. And I'm going to challenge you to sing these words. You say, God, put the heavy on me. I want to feel the weight of what you've called me to. God, God, pull out my potential. Again, here's the problem in our society. Men are being passive and not opening their mouth. Maybe you haven't ever prayed. Maybe you've never prayed out loud. Maybe you haven't prayed out loud in a long time. My challenge to you this moment is to open your mouth and pray. Stop letting me pray for you. Stop letting other men pray for you. Would you begin to lift your voice, your personal voice, right now? put it on us help us to feel the pressure and the weight of this moment we want to pray God show up in our society and God is saying I'm trying to but I need you to be my hands and my feet I need you to be my eyes and my heart I need you to be my mouth God would you put this burden on us God would you challenge us to be who you have called us to be